0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I don't hold a home, mate, and I don't give the control
0: room. They're answers that only can come from Victoria,
1: I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But well, I ain't spending any time though, because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: Well, day, listeners, and welcome to The Two Jacks, episode 33, in our combo program where we go uh, into all matters political and media uh, in Australia and then go around the world and have a good look around what's going on there. And joining me, as usual, is Hong Kong Jack, all the way in Hong Kong. How are you, mate? Good, mate. In the air conditioning. Yeah, nice and warm there. <laughs> Steamy outside. Yes. Nice in here steamy outside. Well, I do see you're in the black. So you were actually absorbing heat there, Jack. You should be in the white T-shirt today. Mm. Break away from that terrible Melbourne habit that you have of wearing just the black at all times. Mm. Um, Let's start with Australia today, Jack. There's uh, the Lehman Higgins saga. We can call it a saga now, can't we, Jack? Because it's been going on for a long time. It's Tolkien-esque. uh, there is now considerable pressure on uh, the Finance Minister, Katie Gallagher, uh, over whether she misled the Parliament, misled the Senate, uh, in questioning uh, in questioning the then Minister for Defence, Linda Reynolds, Jack. What sort of trouble is Katie in and can she survive
1: it? Oh, she can survive it for sure, um, uh, um her head is not going to roll for this. It's going to be very embarrassing and there'll be some skin off, um, but she's going to survive. I'd suggest to you that she's going to survive
0: because she asked a question while she was in opposition. So she is not, if she had misled
1: the parliament... As as a (laughs) um, minister, you mean? she had not
0: misled the parliament as a minister. These are very fine (laughs) details, but uh, it means that she will probably recover. Uh, The Australian, of course, has been leading very hard with uh, leaked text messages between uh, some of the participants Um, and that includes uh, the partner of uh, Brittany Higgins, Jack. Uh, And he seems to be, well, he's been variously described as a sort of media's Bengali, Um, but he seemed to be certainly in the business of... um, of uh, getting this story around, and the the uh, with with, with uh, a real it seems like a real desire that he shared with Brittany
1: Higgins uh, to embarrass Scott Morrison in particular and the Morrison government. It looks a lot like he's running a campaign against the then Liberal government, um, and how much she will agree with that, it's hard to say. Uh, but. Um, Look, a lot of people are going to come out of this pretty badly. Lisa Wilkins is scrambling around, um, gathering the remnants of her reputation around her. Um, Gallagher's in trouble. Um, Our Wong um, has suffered some blows, and Scott Morrison comes out of it even worse than he already was.
0: Well, yeah, that brings me to the piece in The Australian on the Weekend about Fiona Brown, who was then – she had been uh, with the – uh, with the PMO, the Prime Minister's office, and yeah. she'd been seconded out to uh, uh, Brittany Higgins' office. To and Li- she's Li- Li- Linda Reynolds, was the minister, yeah. To, what did I say? Yeah, Linda Reynolds' uh, yeah. office. Says that's right. Um,
1: and uh, and it just seems to me that she was hung out to dry, Jack. Uh, she was out of the bus, to, to mix our metaphors beautifully, and, uh she was just expendable. She was indeed, and it would seem that if we're in talking about misleading Parliament,
0: it would seem that Morrison is the one that uh, did some misleading while he was Prime Minister. He said that he'd had a conversation with Fiona Brown uh, in the Parliament, but he had not, and then he walked up to Fiona Brown shortly thereafter and said, we've had a conversation, haven't we? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what
1: happens, Jack? What's, where, where is this all going to go? Um, There will be an entertaining stout for a a few days this week. and I think think this week is the last sitting week of Parliament for a while. Yeah, you've got two weeks. Two weeks. Two two weeks to go. Um, There will be a fair bit of argy-bargy for a few days over this uh, and it will go away. But um, it's just a reminder um, of um, the chance in politics. I, I, I got sent a quote this week from Benjamin Disraeli, the former British Prime Minister, and he said there is no gambling like politics Nothing in which the power of circumstance is more evident. And the government are finding this out this week. Their long honeymoon period is coming to an end.
0: I'd suggest, Jack, that uh, there are some economic matters uh, that are going to cause them even bigger trouble. Yep. Uh, the. Uh, Unwillingness, if that's the right term, of the inflation rate to to drop in any significant way, you've got significant pressures on households, uh, particularly people with mortgages at the moment who are paying, you know, on an average mortgage, are paying a good twelve fifteen hundred dollars a week more than they were, um, and uh, and and so we've got some we've got households who are sort of. Uh, Calling upon dwindling savings, uh, and unless they can beat the slay the dragon of uh, of inflation, uh, and that inflation rate starts to come down to a, a more reasonable three percent, I think they are going to be big problems for the for the government going forward. Yeah, uh,
1: inflation is a bit like a bad dog; you've
0: got to stare it down. Yeah, indeed. All right. I just wanted to get back to. I mean, we 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 we're talking about the the Liam and Higgins saga as if it's a as if it's a political controversy, which it is, um, but we're also dealing with the with the sub with the, with the subject of what, what is alleged to be a, a sexual assault that occurred in, in the federal parliament, Jack. So it's a very serious matter, um, and, and and are we losing sight of that?
1: Um, oh I well, think there's a there's an element of that. People have been playing politics about this from the very beginning, from before mm-hmm. um charges were ever laid and they will continue. Just one thing I'd say about Katie Gallier, you know she's in trouble when they start trotting out the good person defense. Um uh, yeah. when uh, when the Prime Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister, the Treasurer, Jason Clear, um, they're all coming out and saying, look, she's a really good person, not addressing the not addressing the substance of the allegation, but saying she's a good person. That's um, uh, You know you're in trouble when they're running that one for you. Um, <laughs> yes, of course, there's politics probably shouldn't be being played with this, but they have been from day one and they will be. Right.
0: Well, of course, there's a payment. Uh, There was a payment that was authorised by the Department of Finance when Labor was in government, and the processes of that uh, seem a little bit murky. I noticed uh, Malcolm Farr tweeted. Was that a tweet from Farr? It is a tweet from Farr. Yeah, Malcolm Farr, a veteran journalist, uh, Malcolm, with um, and a lovely and a lovely bloke with uh, with News Corp, uh, now retired. He tweeted up: "There is a case for public release of the amount and reasons behind compensation to B Higgins, just as there is for full disclosure of the reasons for." And liberal ministers involved in the five hundred thousand dollar payout to former Tudge staffer Rachel Miller, and that obviously mm-hmm. relates to uh, uh, to Miller's
1: affair with Alan Tudge. She was the media staffer at the time, and or, uh, or, or more precisely, the end of her employment with Alan Tudge. Um, indeed.
0: Uh, yeah. And she was paid a significant amount of money. I think the uh, money that was paid for uh, uh, that was released. Gallagher says that she's had no- she had nothing to do with that process, um, but it was very very uh, closed. Um, Linda Reynolds was told that uh, uh, that she would not be allowed to give uh, evidence or to sit in on that process.
1: Um, well, it was, a, it, was a, it was a one day mediation that took the, 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 the higgins case it was a one day mediation that took place before a writ uh, or summons had even been issued there was no statement of claim um, so that's unusual it's certainly unusual for the commonwealth um, to um, negotiate with that sort of haste i can tell you having sat across the table <laughs> from them for, for years yes. um, uh, normally operates at glacial speed um, uh, and so there, there are probably questions to answer uh, as to who authorised what and when, as there would be, I think, in the Miller case, the same questions: who authorised what and when? But I suspect no one's going to have the, uh, the uh, uh, no one's going to be mustard keen to um, to expose that process. Well, is
0: this going to go? Is this going to be knackered, Jack? That uh, will it go to the National uh, Anti Corruption Commission, uh, which uh, starts? Um, not sittings, but starts basically its creation is... it will be established in about
1: three weeks' time on the 1st of July. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the history of starting uh, crime commissions in Australia is that you you don't know what's going to happen, who they're going to bite first. If you ask the New South Wales Liberals, they brought in ICAC and it's since brought down three fairly good premiers of New South Wales. They well, knocked all off Liberals. the first. The bloke who created it, Jack. Yeah, the bloke who created it. it. It came back and bit him within a few months. And, oh, uh, just a nice old bite too. Yeah, And, and, and there's every chance that this... This could happen again, um, and I've had a look at the the uh, the Act setting up the National Crime Commission, and um, I've got to say the definition of um, of uh, corruption allows a fair bit of scope for judicial lawmaking. It's a bit vague, in my view. Larger point, Jack: Should politicians? Be referring
0: matters to the NACC, so that would basically we, we talk this. The word weaponisation has uh, fallen uh, into the lexicon in regard to the uh, in regard to this saga a, a, a fair bit. But should politicians be able to refer to the NACC?
1: Uh, I've got no problem with who refers to the NACC. I've just got a problem with how they tend to operate. You know.
0: All right. Well, I, I do have a few concerns about politicians using the NACC as a political weapon. I would think that uh, some of the conversations that go on in the parliament between opposition um, uh, leaders and government leaders would be of, oh, if you want to open up this, then we'll open up that. Mm. And then it becomes not an anti-corruption body, it just becomes a vehicle for weaponising political dissonance, you know.
1: Well, I I think a lot of stuff happens in politics that shouldn't go before the National Crimes Commission um, because there are political solutions to that. Um, You either lose your support in the House or you get voted out in an election. It's not up to another body to determine who's been right or wrong. Um, That's the problem. Not, Not who actually refers it, but it's the sort of things it's dealing with. Well, I'd suggest
0: too, Jack, that um, if we are going to go down this path, then the NACC is going to be very, very busy. Uh, and, I mean, a referral doesn't mean an investigation, but a referral will mean uh, that at least the NACC uh, has to look at it, examine and determine whether it's going to be the subject of further investigation uh, and uh, and and to that end uh, lead to public, uh, public hearings. I'd suggest there's a fair swag of stuff from the from the Morrison government that should be heard by the NACC. Um, so
1: who should be referring it? Um, well, I don't think it should go to the NAWC. Can, NACC. You? Yeah, can no. you? You could do it, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, well, I think anybody can refer I to it. I think anybody can, that's right. Um, but, 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 of course, the Commission's got to then say, well, we'll pick this up and, and investigate it. They don't have to investigate everything that's referred.
0: No, I think they've got to go through certain steps. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about the ICAC now in New South Wales and I know a particular person in my part of the world has referred some local government matters to uh, to the ICAC and uh, and it, that doesn't mean that it goes any further than, than the ICAC saying, well, look, we've had a cursory glance at this and it doesn't seem to be anything really of an issue so we're not going to raise this um <clears throat> yeah, look, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that NACC sits, Just, and, and I'm not talking necessarily about the, the higgins um, and saga, uh, but
1: uh, just how it will conduct. What will be the first cab off the rank, Jack? What would you think? Well, I've got no idea, but just remember the, the example of Nick Griner. And if and, and you remember back what that case was about was um, he, he had a situation where he had a very narrow, um, I think it was a hung parliament. We it was a hung parliament. Job. He's was a minor, yeah. minority government. Yeah, and he, minority and he, government. And, and he, um, got an
0: Indy, he got and an indie. He got an indie to... Who, who, to um, who he
1: offered an excellent job to so he could um, have a by-election and win the seat. Technically um, corrupt, Jack. That's not corrupt. That's just That was politics.
0: technically corrupt according to Ian Temby, who was yes. then head of the ICANN. Yeah. And hmm. then that, that was in, in turn overturned. That finding was overturned in the Supreme Court.
1: Well, we, we can expect the same sort of farce to go on with the National Crime Commission because it was a bad idea and the, and the legislation is pretty terrible. That's my view anyway.
0: All right. Well, I just want to say, Jack, how would J- jabioki Peterson re- re- find or a, 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 a come across a, a finding of technical corruption? He'd consider that to be weak, you know, technically corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's just nothing. You
1: know, it, <laughs> we, we make people disappear. Well, well the, the problem with these modern crime commissions is that they're not looking to, to catch people with brown paper, getting brown paper bags in their office. They're looking to pick apart political decisions that people make and call them corrupt.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. It's going to be very interesting and it won't be the last we talk about the NAWC. In fact, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have a proper look at it once it's up and running, Jack, and you'll have your brow furrowed and your legal index finger wagging, I'm sure, as we go through it. Now, the voice, Jack, uh, this is a, a, a constant in our podcast. I did see Noel Pearson come out with a bit of a mea culpa. She's been going too hard.
1: And, uh, and because he goes a bit hard, doesn't he? He does. That's his natural instinct. Yeah, well, he's a, he's the old fashioned, um, halfback flanker who, you know, coat hangers, blokes, and, um, uh, you know, gives, him a, gives him a whack behind the ear. every I three had a spray. Here. He's a very good man with a spray. Yeah. Um, and he's confessed, look, I might have gone a bit hard. <laughs>
0: I gone, I'm, I'm just, in, on reflection. Uh, he might have gone a bit hard, uh, in that. In fact, he said, um, <clears throat> Uh, I think that message has got to be even more prominent than the voice. This is in regard to this. This, uh, is, this
1: is recognition he's talking yes,
0: about. Yes, it, it needs to be more prominent than the voice. The recognition needs to be. The voice is just the means. The core of the reform is recognition. And our argument is that the voice is the best means. Give our people a voice to the parliament, to the government, and you'll give us the best means of recognition. But the main point here, he says, is that we achieve recognition. That was the original motivation. When John Howard kicked the ball off in 2007, it was about recognition. Pearson said, highlighting recognition would be a fundamental refocus that brings clarity to our campaign and our cause, in quotes. Uh, He said um, he had erred in engaging in multiple verbal stouches saying the movement's most valuable asset was its unifying essence and, quote, people like me need to realise we can't be drawn by our opponents into obscuring that promise. I think that's a mistake I personally made, some of the fights and the frustrations about that, and so on. So there's going to be arguments, uh, and I'll sort of saying, well, I'm going to be a bit more tempered in my response at the moment. But that is a really important point that he talks about, the distinction between recognition and the voice, or he says the voice is the vehicle of recognition. Is well,
1: that correct? If it, if it was about recognition, I, I suspect the, su- the support polling would be about 80%. Um, yeah, but what uh, would be the point of recognition without the voice, Jack? Well, that's the argument that the, the yes case are failing to make. They, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's, it's all up to them. This is not on the no case. This is up to the yes case to say, this is why we think it should be done this way. And at the moment, the genie's out of the bottle. They've completely failed to do that.
0: Oh, by the way, while we think of these things, Jack, and I don't want to go too far back to the um, uh, to the Lemon Higgins saga, um, but um, uh, uh, the one of the... Prominent people for the no case, uh, Jacinta Price, uh, has said that uh, she is looking forward to an apology from Channel Ten and from Lisa Wilkinson, who she claims made some racist remarks in regard to some of these texts that have been released.
1: She got well, a full, she got a fulsome apology from Channel Ten. Did she? Um, uh, did see that? Yep. Um, uh, I watched uh, Channel
0: Ten, obviously. Yeah.
1: Yes, um, uh, and um, yeah, an abject apology, pretty much. Yeah. Was it? Yep, we got it wrong. It was it was pretty nasty, it you know, like pretty, an old fashioned apology. We, not not you may have been offended. We got it wrong. Yeah, without going to the, the direct quote, I mean Wilkinson
0: basically was was indicating and and, and in fact agreeing, uh, agreeing with uh, um, um, Brittany Higgins' part that uh, Jacinta Price was pre selected as a sort of token, mm. a token diversity hire. And, and take an indigenous woman so there you go so the apology has been made i haven't seen the form of words by, by, by channel 10 at least
1: by channel that. 10 when was that done during the project uh no, I, I don't know where when it went to air but um it certainly it's a public apology it's all over it was all over social media so okay
0: um, I've been watching a lot of football, so I've, uh, I've avoided social media over the long weekend.
1: And just, and- before, just before we leave the, the, the Lehman um, Higgins, a shout-out to Shari Markson, um, uh, um, who's a real terrier at, uh, at this, this, this investigative journalism stuff.
0: Uh, 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 she is indeed. She really is. Uh, a, <laughs> um, I reckon she's like a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Yeah. Um, if she uh, if she if she gets a hint of a story, she goes really really hard. Uh, and I think Janet Brexton deserves some credit too, uh, and Stephen Rice at the Australian, yes. uh, <clears throat> who have uh, been pushing this story very very long and la- long and loud. Jack, very sort of it, it troubles me. This. It, and we can't talk about it too much before, it is, because it is before the courts. But the Richmond Utility, Marlene Pickett, um, was uh, uh, arrested on Sunday night. I think it was a Saturday night after the Tigers had beaten Fremantle. In, in uh, which he contributed by to-
1: arrangement on Sunday. When he by arrangement, to go back yeah, and by play. arrangement for interview. Yeah, yeah.
0: The number fifty for Richmond. uh, It's an incredible story. He um, had spent some time, I think, thirty months in jail for uh, for burglary, going back some years, Um, and uh, and then he was picked up as a uh, uh, as a mature recruit. I think it's season twenty nineteen. And his very first game was uh, a Tigers grand final win in that same year. So it's an
1: incredible story. Uh, uh, a, a game in which, for a debutante, he went very, very well.
0: He did. He was, he, he was very, very close to winning the Norm Smith. He went hard at the footy. And that's the way he's played his footy. Uh, he's been charged with aggravated burglary as a result of the, um, the meeting he had arranged with Western Australian Police. Uh, with aggravated burglary uh, in, in regard to uh, break-ins around industrial or commercial premises, uh, safe breaks um, uh, to the tune of about $380,000. Uh, he is entitled, uh, as we all are, to the presumption of innocence here, and he was
1: bailed yesterday, and the uh, prosecution case was rolled out a bit. You, did you have a look at it, Jack? I did. Um, I don't want to make any comment about the case. Yes. Um, i just just say this. Um, uh the AFL are right not to, to make any sanctions against this bloke at all. He's entitled yes. to the presumption of innocence. Um, and AFL has got to be for everybody. That means people um, um, who may have gone to jail, may have served some time for dishonesty offence, should There's be free few. to play. Um, uh, the, uh, the idea that it can only be for the good guys um, is just wrong. I went back a bit, uh, Jack, and there was a
0: bloke in the 1930s who was uh, jailed during the season. I can't tell you his name or even the club that he played for, but he was jailed during the season for bigamy. You don't get a lot of bigamy charges these days. I'm not quite sure why that is. Uh, He probably just stopped. Um, But uh, I I do note that the magistrate, uh, in hearing the bail, and uh, Marlon Pickett Pickett was uh, released, um, uh, and he's returned now to Melbourne, uh, and he is required to uh, attend a police station in Melbourne uh, once a week. And, and those are those are the basically the restrictions. Oh, and the other the other restriction is not to contact any of the other any of his other co-accused. Um, but the magistrates said the case was not overwhelming. It did deal, in fact, with a number of sort of circumstantial matters in regard to the hiring of a camper van. And money being transferred to, uh, uh, allegedly transferred to Marlon Pickett's. A bank account, uh, and that some clothes that he had been seen purchasing were visible on CCTV cameras around the time of the offence. That would indicate to me some some fairly um, circumstantial evidence. But there was a a mobile phone ping uh, on one occasion in and around his mobile phone. That is a ping uh, to some of the some of the towers uh, in uh, roughly the same location uh as the um uh a, 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 as a location of one of the burglaries at that time now that is i just wanted to tell listeners people often see these things these these mobile phone pings, as being that will place you exactly in a particular area and, and it really doesn't and sometimes it can be wrong so um yeah we'll let this matter unfold as we go Uh, and uh, report on it Um, and uh, as you quite rightly say Jack uh, the AFL uh, will allow Marlon Marlon Pickett to continue playing uh, while this matter is uh, while this matter is uh, unfolds in the courts it's very different to the NRL situation Jack if he was playing NRL he would not be permitted to play
1: Mm, I think that's wrong
0: it is wrong, uh, and we saw this sort of a you know a bit of a reach of this when there was a, a player charged. Uh, St George Dragons player was charged with rape, and uh, and ultimately he was acquitted, uh, but he was not able to he was not able to play his trade for for the period in which that trial um, uh, was underway. Uh, and it just seemed to me to be an, uh, a very hastily uh, sort of. Uh, uh, g- g- um, gabble-together sort of uh, um, response from the NRL, which they probably, if they
1: had their chance, would not have done in the first place. You can't take away a bloke's uh, livelihood or a woman's livelihood on the basis of an accusation. All right. Well, um, you uh, shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, and look, Marlon Pickett, by the way, was
0: playing outstanding football. Um, uh, Togs have been going pretty well and, and he's been sort of leading the charge in many ways. Very hard hard football type uh, player. Um, Now, Jack, overseas, uh, the Ukrainian uh, counteroffensive has begun. Uh, That includes uh, the introduction of five armored brigades. That's a significant body of uh, armored vehicles uh, and uh, reports from the Ukrainian side. say they've taken back three villages. I did some mapping on those three villages, Jack. They're very long, uh, very, very long terms, and I won't bother to read them out, even the anglicized Ukrainian of them. But they were, they're about, well, they're about 200 kilometers apart. Uh, and we are talking about a front on the southeastern or Donetsk um, uh, um, side of Ukraine. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was quite, quite surprised to see that that the villages that had been taken is so far apart Um, in normal circumstances it would take two hours to drive from one of those villages to the next uh, or or and indeed another two hours to the one after that Um, so that that tells you that that is a large front Um, and uh, we are hearing uh, reports of uh, the loss of some tanks to the uh, loss of some tanks Perhaps they're the uh, M1 Abrahams tanks. We're not quite sure, but they've lost some tanks. And they've got no air power, Jack. They've got no support for their movements on the ground. Uh, Even though they're mechanised, highly armoured vehicles, they don't have any air power. So uh, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the fighters that were promised by the Americans and by NATO uh, are yet to yet to come into force, and of course the Russians have spent pretty much all winter um, <coughs> creating all sorts of all sorts of problems for the Ukrainians as they come forward. We did see the flooding or the the bombing of a dam, that, which has led to flooding. There's been reports of a second one uh, with more flooding in eastern Ukraine, uh, and it all seems to be a part of uh, providing. Really strong defence um, along the battle lines there that will reduce the uh, the the, uh, the power of uh, the Ukrainian tanks. Yes, long way to play. Long way to play. I just want to talk about um, the Ukrainians are saying, "Don't call it a counter offensive. This is our offensive. It's our chance to finally drive out the Russian army from our land." So they are. That's what the push is about. Um, and there was a really good piece in the, in the BBC saying, look, yeah, that will be the aim, um, <clears throat> and says that the focus will be the, uh, the area of Russian-held territory that matters most in this campaign, the area between the city of, of um and the Sea of Azov, um, and that is the so-called land corridor that connects Russia to Crimea, which was illegally annexed in I think 2015, uh, and that would be a significant moment if the Ukrainians were able to, would, were able to take and hold that land coral. It would essentially mean that Crimea was theirs for the for the retaking. Long way to go, as you say, um, but uh, the Russians uh, have spent their winter. Um, becoming deeply embedded where they are and putting up as many uh, tank defenses as they can, those big concrete tank teeth they call them, which uh, basically just snare t- snare tanks, can't le- can't allow them to proceed. Um, early days, we'll keep an eye on all of that. Jack, there is a prospect, of course, that this will lead to just basically interminable war there.
1: Uh, it could do, yes. That's certainly a possibility. Mm, well, right. certainly, certainly a long-term um, uh, uh, conflict. Yeah.
0: Jack, uh, in Italy, Silvio Berlusconi is dead at 86. I'd suggest to you now that given the amount of plastic surgery and uh, other work that Silvio has had done, his corpse may remain in state for the next 30 or 40 years without any sign of deterioration. Just before he died... Have you ever seen a face so waxen in all your
1: life? Um, uh, apart from photos of the deceased communist um, uh, leaders in Moscow, no. <laughs> he did have a bit
0: of the Lenin complexion about him, didn't he? Uh, last time I saw him anyway, always with a tan, always with a bit of a smile. Media operator, of course, in, in Italy, um, I suspect.
1: And, I suspect if they cremate him, which they probably don't do in Italy, you'd want to have the fire extinguishers close by, because <laughs> there could God. be a chemical explosion <laughs> if they. Haskem ke- the- has zone. Declare a Haskem zone
0: <laughs> around uh, around that. Um, of course, he's most famous. I mean, he was prime minister of Italy for a while, and as I say, a major media player in Italy for a very long time, a conservative politician. But he's most known for the bunga bunga parties, Jack. Yeah. I uh, just uh, There was a lovely piece in the BBC again. Uh, during his lifetime, he had a string of spouses and partners. His second wife, Veronica Lario, divorced him in 2010 after accusing him of lying about his relationship with a teenager. But chief among the sex scandals that surrounded him was the saga of the notorious Bunga Bunga parties held at his villa near Milan. Uh, the erotic events... <laughs> came to light in 2010 when Berlusconi personally telephoned a police station seeking the release of a 17-year-old Moroccan girl, Karima El Maroug, who had been arrested in Milan on suspicion of jewel theft. Uh, the bid to spring him from jail, her from jail, I should say, was uh, successful. But in order to secure her freedom, Berlusconi wrongly told the police that she was a granddaughter or niece of Egypt's then president Hosni Mubarak. And her arrest risked a diplomatic incident. That really wasn't that 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 really wasn't the case, though, Jack. Because all um, well, it transpired that uh, Miss Karima El Marug was uh, really just a bit of a feature in the bunga bunga parties.
1: Yes, yeah. This, this, there was a bit of a pattern there with these sort of incidents. <laughs> <coughs> um, the Bunga Bunga parties, to be clear, were parties involving um, uh, politicians and senior business figures uh, at his villa um, and a host of um, uh, young persons. Very young persons, mm. Jack. Some of them not of
0: adult age, including a uh, including, um, uh, 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 the, the woman, Miss Marug, uh, who was just seventeen at the time. Uh, what do we say, Jack? What do we say about Silvio Berlusconi? Good riddance,
1: or well, he wasn't uh, too bad a, a, a prime minister of, of Italy, to be quite honest. Well, he uh, held
0: the job for oh, I think it's only about eighteen months before corruption, corruption. You know, which is you know, in longevity terms for Italian prime minister, not too bad. Um, hmm. But but uh, but he,
1: he he it was basically a scandal that, that brought him down. He um, had a couple of he had a couple of goes at it. Um, it's fair to say I, I wouldn't think he's the worst uh, Italian prime minister they've had. No, the, the current one's pretty good, but they've had a few shockers down the year. Well, they have reached a, a moment of stability. In
0: fact, um, you know it was always you know they were sort of laughing stock of. The world in terms of democracy, that their governments would collapse neatly within about six months of them uh, of them being created or voted in, and then uh, coalitions falling apart. Uh, and then, of course, uh, it was all compared to Australia uh, when uh, Australia had the loss of Rudd, Gillard, Rudd, uh, Abbott, uh, Turnbull, uh, Morrison, etc. We were considered to be less stable democratically, or our democracy was less stable than the Italians. Uh, Valet Silvio Berlusconi. Jack, the big story, of course, in the US is uh, that Trump has been indicted. Now, I've got to tell you, Jack, you didn't think this was going to go anywhere, but it has. I didn't think it, I didn't think he'd be indicted, no,
1: no. Um, and have you read the indictment? I have. What do you think? Um well, let me just go back to the New York indictment first. I thought the New York indictment was a lot of nonsense. Um, uh, this is much more serious. This is pretty serious, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. The New York indictment,
0: even if he was found guilty, and and <laughs> that will be some time away, certainly not before the 2024 election. This one is likely to be late as well, but the New York stuff would never have uh, uh, never amounted. Even if he was convicted, would never amount to a jail sentence. This stuff comes with pretty hefty jail sentences, and it would seem.
1: I I guess I would say um, it it certainly seems serious, and the evidence looks okay. But but this is an indictment, and the defence has not been heard from yet. So I'm always cautious about jumping into sort of premature adjudication. But uh, this is this is serious and substantive.
0: It is indeed. Uh, um, and of course, he'll be arraigned later today, our time. We're recording on the 13th of January, which is a Tuesday, but of course, uh, with time zone differences and so forth, uh, Trump will be arraigned. He'll be arraigned in Miami and there's likely to be um, uh, a nice old uh, turn-up of uh, margar people outside the courtroom. Um, but I was reminded of the uh, uh, of, uh, due process and jury trials, Jack. You only really need one in Miami who thinks Trump's okay on the jury and he gets off. Oh,
1: there's no guarantee
0: in my mind that he'll be convicted of these things. Uh, Bill Barr's been his attorney general. Of course, uh, they're, they're no longer friends, it's fair to say. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, William Barr, Bill Barr said uh, 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 that uh, he said, This is not the case of the Department of Justice conducting a witch hunt. Uh, he, he said, In fact, they approached this very delicately and with deference to the president adding that if he hadn't jerked them around for a year and a half, he thinks this would have gone nowhere, would have
1: ended up like the Biden stuff, Jack. Uh, because um, when- yeah, if Trump had a moment self-reflection, which I don't think he probably does, Not capable uh, uh, he would know that um, this is a problem entirely down to him.
0: But he seemed to be in, in, in the... Um- Uh, in the indictment, he seemed to be sort of bragging about showing documents to people. He said, oh, this is a secret document. He said, I could declassify this if I was still president, but I can't now. So that's, he's actually acknowledged, if that's correct, and I'm not sure whether that was uh, information of The other part of this that tells you everything you need to know about Donald Trump is that he put a lot of other people in his camp in harm's way before him. Uh, other solicitors, his uh, so-called uh, sort of bodyguard, um, and he had his uh, well, solicitors secreting documents. Uh, he did. Um, well, I later.
1: One thing I was looking for in this was trying to find: did they have any indication of what the motivation for doing this was? Um, and the only thing I could come up with that um, it was stupidity in, 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 in doing what he did and and the opportunity to big note himself to be a braggart. Um, there's mm, no suggestion no suggestion anywhere that he was selling this or doing anything like that. all he wanted it for was to show he could big note himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, he uh, yeah, so, well, we, we talked about how he'd uh, spoken to the Pentagon about a particular attack. On a particular country, and God only really knows what that would be, and how it basically got back to him. And here's the document; it's secret, it's, it's classified. What can we do about this? No, there's nothing we can do about this because I'm not president anymore. But he'd show it to, he'd show it to people. Um, and of course, we we also in the indictment we saw a a, a photograph of boxes of uh, containing uh, containing documents, many of them top secret, some some of them classified. Sitting in the shower, Jack. Sitting in, the, <laughs> sitting in the shower room. You got a chandelier there, and uh, and I do see David Burgess,
1: bit of a wag, came up with a lovely little comment there, Jack. Yeah, I haven't read the indictment, but the, the, this is compelling visual evidence of first degree felony home decorating. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this is something I've said about uh, when I first saw photos of um, uh, the, the apartment in Trump Tower in Manhattan. Um, that it looked like it had been done by Liberace on a coke. Oh record. no, it's just
0: too much. I mean, I, I for one do not want to sit on a gold toilet,
1: Jack. Mm. It's bound to be cold. It's bound yeah. to be cold. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so you prefer, yeah, you yeah, prefer it, you prefer the warmed up Japanese ones with the with the you know A bit the, of talking the, going on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, much more much more civilized.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's the the thing that, that Trump is so over the top, you know, that he lives in this sort of aesthetic hell uh, of, uh, of, opulence, of of opulence, of of real in-your-face kind of opulence.
1: Um, uh, Megan, but this actually makes him popular with... Uh, oh, well, um, we're talking about the polling, yeah. Yeah, no, but this actually makes him... No, the way he lives makes him popular with... Um, the people Hillary Clinton called the deplorables um, because um, when he made money, he didn't go off and have a summer place in Martha's Vineyard. Um, uh, he he likes he does exactly what working people would do if they got money. You know, he has a gold toilet and a big plane and, you know. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that stands up. I really don't know. I don't
0: think <clears throat> it does. At what point do you achieve a certain level of wealth and say, right, that's it, get the
1: plumbers in, we need the gold toilet? Well, his his housing is the sort of thing that if you're a poor person in Mississippi, you'd say, if I had money, that's what I would do.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, uh, What sort of (laughs) – well, we're going to have to see the arraignment. Uh, It's bound to be a very colourful sort of episode. He has summoned Marga to be there and there will be there in considerable number. That will happen in about 18 hours uh, as we record this. Um, uh run us through
1: some of the uh, social media responses, Jack. Uh, there have there, been a few different ones. I, I must say that Bill Barr, the interview, two interviews Bill Barr's done, yeah, one with CBS the and one with Fox, are well worth a, a watch. Um, interestingly, in the CBS interview, he said that um, he thought he thought he would still vote for Trump if the choice was Trump or Biden. Right, well, uh, uh, that and, was that and, was Barr, yeah, and Barr, and Barr's never been a friend of Trump. Uh, he took the well, job he as attorney. No, 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 well, I think he's ever a friend. He took the job as attorney general because it needed someone yeah, strong to be strong to be in there, and he was capable of doing it, and he was very good at. It. Um, but um, but he said that uh, he doesn't think either of them uh, are fit to be president. But if he had a choice, he'd vote for the Republican. Um, it, but if it came to that, if they were the both there, he'd vote for the Republican. But this, this, this is from people who are Republicans but not Trump people, I suppose. Um, never Trumpers. Yeah, no, they're not never Trumpers either, but they're, they're a sort of, you know, middle, um, Republican middle people. Megan McArdle from the Washington Post, I guess it's possible that the case against Trump will fall apart in court. And even if he's obviously guilty, maybe the public will care less than I expect. Maybe he could eke it out in 2024, but the GOP could also just nominate someone else and not have to worry about any of that. Ooh, that would be a bold move, Jack. Bold, (laughs) bold move, that one. And another comment that that, that struck me was, two things can be true at once. The indictment against Trump is 100% motivated by a desire to influence the 2024 election and trump was incredibly stupid to have taken these documents and kept them at mar-a-lago he brings this stuff on himself and that's Mate. a very popular um, opinion on social media at the moment yeah when you're talking about Barr, too Barr did say if half
0: of what the if half of the indictment is right he said trump is toast yes uh and and so he does have a problem there but Jack, as I understand it, and you might be able to help me through the constitutional uh, parameters here, but as I understand it, if he was elected in 2024, he could be elected under indictment, he could be elected under conviction, and he could be elected in jail. He could yes. be. Uh, yes. <laughs> he could be president while he's, while he's sitting in a federal slammer. Yes. I, I've got to say, I, I just don't think the constitutional forefathers... Really thought this through? No, um, <laughs> not uh, thought it. They hadn't thought there'd be a, a man come along with a gold toilet, like Donald Trump, who <laughs> who imposed himself on
1: on the politics of America. Yes. Well, no, the, it's still a possibility. He can he, he can be elected. That's if he's the candidate.
0: Well, we have seen the We've got to get to that because
1: he's just got another boost, and now I think he's forty odd points ahead. Well, no, of I'm not quite sure RDS. about that. Um, uh, the latest I've seen from interactive polls, April 6 it was 5821 DeSant- Trump DeSantis, yeah. May 15 4919, and June 9 4322. Okay, those are better figures than the ones that I heard on uh, one of the that, news. That, that came through this morning. So, um, it, it, you know. Those are better figures for RDS.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: it, it's it's um, uh, um, it's the quote from Benjamin Disraeli um, uh, earlier on, um, uh, you know, politics is chance. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's going to be really interesting.
1: RDS has taken the view... Uh, just, before, just before we leave polling, the, the most significant poll that I saw was an ABC poll this week, um, which was uh, had Trump and Biden um, both with only 31% approval, exactly the same approval. And as Scott Jennings, the CNN commentator, says, the American people are doing everything else but standing on the roof screaming at us to say, we don't want either of these people. <laughs> yeah, well, if it does come down to a fact of um, Trump
0: beating DeSantis and others uh, in the uh, in the primaries, then uh, I think Biden will just slice him up. Again, um, I, I think that's there's every chance of that occurring just because independent voters just won't have a bar of Trump anymore. Um, but RDS has come out in support of Trump. Chris Christie, the uh, former uh, New Jersey uh, governor, uh, has also come out, and he's going to play a bit of a spoiler role, Jack, in the primaries. His job, he says, is to take out Trump.
1: Yeah, what chance um, you got. He, that that's all he can do because he left by the time he left office in new jersey uh he was very very unpopular
0: he was a bit unpopular um but then then again that so was trump in 2020 but um um uh but he is very good he's he's a very capable um strong man in politics yeah uh, and he's the one who can you know he's the one who can stand up and verbal trump while the others i don't think can or should perhaps, mm. um, and so that yeah, so he's uh, he's thrown his cap into the ring there last week, just after we uh, recorded. Chris Christie is now in the running. Mike Pence is now in the running. Um, Nikki Haley is now in the running. But there, uh, you can count their support in the fingers of one hand, basically. Mm. Well, DeSantis, I thought he's, I thought Trump's polling had gone through the roof. And I think there was a bit of sense. I got sucked into a bit of sensationalism in the media when I got hold of that. I didn't look at the polling today. So I'm glad you've, uh, I'm glad you sorted that out. He's not really much different from where he was a week ago. DeSantis, uh, well, DeSantis was is
1: going better than he was two weeks ago. It's a little bit better. A little bit better. Yeah. That's right.
0: Um, so, what should DeSantis DeSantis, we know, has come out and talked about weaponization. There's a lot of weaponization talk out there, isn't there, Jack? It's, a, it's turning the, into a bit it's, of a cliche. It's the word, word of the week, isn't it, really? Uh, a lot of weaponization going on there, and they all do it. Um, oh, Curry Lake, she was on the weaponization there, the failed Arizona gubernatorial candidate. She was big on that. Uh, and she's uh, heading the protest uh, at the Arraignment in Miami later today. What should Ron DeSantis be doing, Jack? Um, pretty much what he's doing. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, maybe he should be talking beyond these, you know, um, culture war sort of shenanigans around, around sort of woke politics and so forth, Yeah. Oh, I think you can tone that down a bit. That's that, that's certainly true. <clears throat> um, and this goes to, uh, you know, I mean, those things don't resonate with voters, I would suggest to you. I mean, they are going to resonate with people who've already made their minds up about this so-called woke talk. and and, and, you know, the sort of clashes that uh, RDS has had with, with Disney, he'd be wise to start speaking more about the economy. He'd be wise to be speaking about more national issues, about housing uh, <coughs> and, and those sorts of things, you know. So maybe this creates almost a perfect scenario for him because Donald Trump will be out there screaming about how no one loves him and, or well, how he's being persecuted uh, and, and really, doing offering uh, offering American voters nothing more than a look in the rearview mirror, while RDS should be actually laying out a a
1: a, a, a four year agenda as president. Yes. All to right. Become, what have we go here to, to, to become president, uh, in my view, all DeSantis has got to do, and this is a tough one, if he can, if he can win the nomination, um, uh, there's no one on the other side who he can't beat. Um, he will certainly beat Biden, Biden if he stays on his feet, and the alternative is perhaps a, a Harris Newsom um, uh, combination, um, and that's two Californians. And there's more chance of a Mormon getting elected no, than that two won't Californians. Happen. That won't happen.
0: Um, Biden will be will will win the primary hands down. Uh, there's just no there's no there's no alternative. And the, the only reason that would happen is if Biden decided that he wasn't going to run, but he's made it very clear that he is. Now, I tend to agree with you uh, that if DeSantis makes his way through the primary, with, and, and, and there are so many caveats here, the, the, the first caveat is that the Republican Party remains in one in one piece. And and, and if um, uh, Trump is seen as being forsaken by, uh, by the GOP, they'll be held to pay within the party and its uh, sort of grassroots support around Trump. Meanwhile, Jack, when we talk about California, uh, San Francisco, uh, it's a beautiful city, or it used to be, and it's not much these days,
1: Jack. Well, this really struck me this week when I read this. Um, it's lost six six 6.3% of its population between 2019 and 2021, 20, two years um, that's a faster loss than at any time in Detroit's um, collapse. So it's losing people faster than Detroit did. Um, and interestingly, it's losing well-to-do people.
0: Right, yes. And we've seen that. There's been a bit of an exodus, part of it, in turn to Texas, where the Texas government has made uh, 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 created incentives and, and, and tax uh, and tax reductions for big corporates, that um, including big tech companies, to go and set up in Texas. So some of that's driven by that. But when we talk about Detroit's history, I mean, Detroit was a city of, you know, it was it was the motor city, wasn't it? yeah, uh, And it had a population in the millions. And now, well, there are some stories there that say it doesn't even have a supermarket there now. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but but the, the population of Detroit is now just over half a million, isn't it 600, 600 odd thousand. Yeah, so that's what happens ca- when you
1: get things badly wrong. Ca- California's not just losing with Texas though. The the, the biggest single county um, where they're going is the fabulously named uh, Teton County in um, uh, in Wyoming. Uh, you're you're a you're a Francophone, aren't you?
0: I'm a francophile. Francophone.
1: Teton. You can wow. speak. You can speak, speak French. A little, a little. Um, uh, Teton County, I think, was um, uh, was discovered. Uh, the first uh, European to discover it was a Frenchman, and, and he he called the mountain rage the Grand Teton's, which are, if my um, French slang is right, it sort of more or less equates to big tits. Oh, um, I see. Uh, It's a it's a slang French term, but it's the home of Jackson Hole Ski Resort, and that's the single biggest place the Californians have gone, the San Franciscans have gone to.
0: I do know a lot of the uh, the big money in California has gone also to to uh, Montana Jack. Yeah, Uh, set up the big ranches there. But um, yeah, so uh, are are we getting to the point where uh, uh, the last one in San Francisco turn the lights out, please?
1: Uh, well, the only people left will be the homeless people selling drugs to each other in uh, in the, in the tenderloin. You know?
0: Yeah, well, keep the price of drugs down. All right, meanwhile, Jack, Boris Johnson has quit the parliament. I read a piece, I've got to tell you, I don't know if you've read Greg Sheridan's piece, uh, <laughs> that that Trump and Boris Johnson had been poorly dealt with. Um, but Boris Johnson has decided, it's his decision, to quit the Parliament rather than face sanction from the Privileges Committee,
1: Jack. Yeah, what, what he's done, um, this is a, a, a quaint bit of English history, he's applied for the Chilton Hundreds, um, uh, is the term that's used. Um, uh, an MP in the House of Commons cannot resign, um, but if he applies for and gets granted a, an office of profit under the Crown, he's removed from, so he sort of removes himself. So he applies for a, a no longer existent office called the Chiltern Hundreds. Um, uh, and so he'll be gone from Parliament. Um, has he been unfairly dealt with? Well, yeah. There's been a fair bit of politics played. Weaponisation, I think, is the term we well, use. Well, here. The, 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 the conser- his conservative
0: foes, people within his own party, have weaponised yeah. uh, various allegations against him, uh, including misleading the parliament, uh, which we talked about at the top of the show uh, in our own parliament. But um, uh, Jack, I, 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 firstly. This will be, I think, the fourth by election that he's brought on um, through the sort of the Johnson years or the transition uh, from Johnson to uh, God, what was her name, the Prime Minister for about uh, about Theresa two May. Uh, oh no, before no, that, uh, after that, oh Liz Trust, Liz Trust, yeah, the, the Trust. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about the Trust weeks for years to come, Jack, um, and uh, and now Sunak, uh, and so uh, Jack. What chance... Do to the Tories have win
1: of winning the next election? And
0: we're not getting we're not too far away now. We're um, sort of more getting to towards about eighteen Ken,
1: months away. More to the point is, can Keir Starmer manage to lose from here? He, he
0: would have to fall over. He mm. would have to be found with photographs uh, wearing a bit of Nazi gear or something like that to be in real trouble.
1: I reckon. Yeah. Um, One of the interesting aspects of this is that they have a, a, another quaint tradition in English politics that a prime minister who resigns gets to um, uh, submit oh, yes. a list of honours. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and both Liz Truss and Boris Johnson have gotten to do this, to submit to the House of Lords Committee uh, a list of people who they think should be uh, made lords or dames, uh, yes. or, you know, or be being given other honours. Now, I noticed this weekend that we in Australia had an honours list and I did my usual thing. I really only read down as far as the H's just in case... Um, uh, <laughs> not, uh, not you again. Yeah, there's, yeah, no, just, down just, again. just in case I never got the letter to advise me <laughs> in you know, I mean, advance. Uh, but um, yeah, that's yeah. An well, extraordinary the, thing.
0: the the honors stuff. I mean, it really means it so because you actually get to. I mean, not all of the awards, but but if you are
1: made a lord, you get to sit in the House of Lords. You you, you, you do. essentially become a senator. You're part of a House of Review. Um, And 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 you get a daily stipend when the house is sitting.
0: And some of those, Jack, are major donors to the party, funnily enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I was thinking as I was reading about this that our honours system in Australia is in much better shape than the British system. Look, the the British system's
0: been abused politically for for 100 years or more. In fact, Mm. I think in the 1920s there was a new law brought him to stop this kind of um, payment for uh, peerages um but <laughs> whatever that, i can't think of the name of the law but it hasn't worked terribly well put it mm-hmm. that way uh and uh, we still do have this uh, uh, business of uh, people uh, or patronage um for money uh leading on to peerages um and meanwhile jack Slightly to the north of uh, the UK, Nicola Sturgeon was, uh, she didn't have it, well, she had a collar felt, I suppose is the best way to put it. She was detained and questioned for a period of time over what she knew about uh, uh, about a bit of money coming from the Scottish National Party, quite a lot of money going out, uh, going out one way that seems to have allegedly fallen into the hands of her husband.
1: So it would appear. So it would uh, appear. uh, It was. um, uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, She retired. uh, She resigned from uh, as first minister of Scotland because she was just exhausted. This seems to be the new. And this seems to be the new. um, People used to resign to spend more time with their family, Um, and now they all resign because they're exhausted. You know, whether it's Jacinda Ardern or Mark McGowan or whatever. It's an
0: interesting phenomenon that. I mean, I, I, you know, I know we're, I know you're making light of it, but, but in this day and age, Jack, it may well be that our politicians just get exhausted. Oh, I think they do. They do. It's a terrible job. Quicker than they used yeah. to be. I mean, Menzies, you know, I don't think he was ever exhausted. Kept, kept lying to his party that he resigned, and then kept, and then hung around. Yes, but, he, but he, used,
1: he used to hop on. He used to. He didn't hop on the on the burner and go to uh, the UK for the cricket. He hopped on a ship and spent yeah. six weeks, six yeah. leisurely weeks. Getting Send gone. me a telegram if I'm needed. Yeah. The um, interestingly, Miss um, um, Sturgeon. Um, uh, has never been a driver, um, uh, and has a, has been in her post political career deciding to get a driver's license. Oh, and uh, she yes. posted on um, uh, on uh, on Twitter a photo of she'd done the preliminary test. You know, you do the written test before yes. you do the driving test, and she'd posted her results, a little bit of scouting, um to say that she'd gotten a hundred percent on the multiple choice. Which um, that pretty much everyone does, right? Yeah, well, that's right. Um, and um, uh, w- she inadvertently had the bottom bit on it, and, and she only got fifty six out of seventy five for hazard perception. Um, uh, <laughs> she didn't see this one coming, Jack. <laughs> no, that, she didn't uh, well, see it, it seems like it.
0: She, she certainly hasn't been charged. The, the, the UK system's a little bit different to to ours. Uh, you can be. Uh, Arrested, Uh, you can be arrested, uh, but uh, uh, and I think that period of arrest remains in place. Although she's free to move around, hasn't been charged with any offence. But uh, that's the that's kind of the way it goes for her. I
1: suspect her husband uh, is
0: in more trouble than she is. But it's not a good look.
1: Her her fate is in the hands of the wonderfully named procurator fiscal which is the Scottish term for the Director of Public Prosecutions.
0: He'd be, uh, he'd be mean with a quid, wouldn't
1: he? Mm.
0: Um, all right, the Unabomber um, checked out. I've got to say, Jack, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Unabomber, but I couldn't stop looking at the fact that the FBI actually took his cabin away where he lived sort of off-grid, et cetera, living the <laughs> living the off-grid paradise life, uh, and and they reassembled it at, at uh, Contico. I couldn't stop looking at that photograph <laughs> because there it was in, in the middle of a warehouse, just uh, just sitting there. So of course, Unab- Unabomber died, and it seems likely that he might have died a suicide. Jack, they, they uh, and, and, and there's no evidence he knew Hillary Clinton at all. <laughs> of course, you know the Unabomber. Look, we shouldn't be laughing, about him He's a terrible bastard uh, who uh, uh, who caused a great deal of injury and upset and fear uh, in the American community by sending out sending out bombs. I think uh, I think we have one dead and a number of very seriously injured opening those packages. He hated the Industrial Revolution, Jack, didn't he? He hated the business of technology advances,
1: didn't he? Mm. That was his thing. He he was a – we must start this by saying he was a very gifted mathematician. Very talented, very, very bright fellow, yeah. Um, uh, uh, In fact – uh, one description of, of uh, I read of what he was doing at Harvard was that there'd only be about fifteen people in the world who could understand what he was doing oh, at Harvard, yeah, and the rest, so, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, and probably fifteen
0: at a pinch, yeah. Mm. Uh, very bright fellow who, who obviously uh, had some
1: some 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 deep concerns. I mean, he. How would you describe his politics, Jack? Well, I, I'd do it this way: to any young people who are as troubled as this fellow is don't go bombing post offices etc just do what everyone else does go and join the greens <laughs> I don't know if that's
0: quite right but he hated technology that's right so who was the who were the group who was the British group who hated the industrial Revolution what are they known as the um, uh, the, the Luddites. Luddites so he yeah. was a luddite he perhaps more yeah. luddite than green um, but a, 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 a is, pretty, there, is there a difference <laughs> Well, they get around in cars. You know, they're not in the horse and carts. They're they're not Amish. But, uh, yes, uh, the Unabomber has gone. uh, It's some suggestion that he he took his own life in that very Mm. vague way. They have a reporting suicides. It would seem that uh, that is the case um, uh, in the case of the Unabomber. Now, moving on to Sport Jack, so much going on there. Well, let's start with golf. And uh, the Liv uh, and the PGA have uh, uh, downed weapons and uh, it's peace in our time. They're merging. Yes, so it would seem. And and not everyone's happy about that, Jack, (laughs) including one Greg Norman who seems to have been overlooked uh, in the administration of the um, of
1: the merged game, um, one suspects that the that he was uh, on the PGA lists of uh, list of he can't be involved if we if we come to an agreement. Never to be selected again. Got the old mm-hmm. NTBSA.
0: Um, Titus O'Reilly looked uh, up with the tw- with the tweets. They say what you like about the PGA, but they will not compromise their morals except for money. Uh,
1: which is just about right, isn't it? And it well, just means. I, I think it was a question of survival. I think they needed to compromise this because it was going to ruin God. Oh, it was. It was just going to split it in two.
0: Hmm. Um, I did see, uh, is it Rory McElroy? Yes. Uh, he's not happy about it. He said, um, look, I stuck with the PGA, and now all these blokes that uh, departed for big money are allowed back, and what's going on there?
1: So you got a point? Um- Uh, this has got a fair bit to play out yet. It's not exactly clear to me how this new um, uh, uh, organisation, this new combined organisation is going to work and it certainly isn't clear how the people who stuck loyally with the PGA are going to be treated at all. All
0: right. Well, uh, what we do know is it's going to have a lot of Saudi money, Jack. So... um, so the future of professional golf is pretty much assured along those lines. Uh, they are talking big, big numbers, big, 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 big dollars. Numbers. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, in the AFL, we had um, uh, had a wonderful game uh, on the uh, on the good weekend on the King's birthday. I keep wanting to say Queens, and and uh, and that clearly is wrong. But on the King's birthday. Uh, the traditional Collingwood Melbourne clash there have been some shockers over the years with Melbourne being a bit weak uh, throughout uh, well throughout most of the 80s 90s etc uh, terrific game yesterday did you see it I did yeah good game of footy uh, and one of those rare examples of uh, Collingwood getting close but not getting the job done it sort of it, it sort of confirmed what I thought that Melbourne are probably the best side in it at the moment. Um, but a hell of a good game of footy. Um, uh, the AFL uh, has still got this matter of the what we call the Hawthorne race, another saga, um, Hawthorne racism saga, and it's not seemingly going anywhere, Jack.
1: No, the, it seems to me the AFL are trying to um, punish Hawthorne um, for getting um, some things wrong, and, and I, got, I agree with them, Hawthorne did get some things wrong, um, they didn't um, uh, arrange at all to give due process to anyone involved in the uh, in the allegations. Um, but I look at it and say, well, neither did you, and neither did the AFL. Um, uh, and the AFL had control of the thing for much longer. They have much more resources, and they messed it up every bit as badly as Hawthorne did. So if there's financial sanctions on. On, on Hawthorne there should be a pay haircut in the uh, executive suite at the AFL yeah well look you're absolutely right there was due
0: process due process denied due process denied when Hawthorne was putting this report together that apparently only about three people in the world have seen uh, and and didn't didn't uh, invite for interview the people whose uh, names were uh, well had allegations made against them. The, the coach at the time, Alistair Clarkson, his sidekick is now uh, coach of uh, the Brisbane Lions. What's his name? Um, Chris Fagan. Chris Fagan, and then a, and then a, a, a football manager at the club. Um, all very very regrettable stuff. Um, I got to tell you, check. I was uh, looking at my Facebook page and a couple of blokes who I know are very, very good footballers, very good footballers now and they're uh, not, no, not, not playing, I haven't played for a long time. But one said, oh, just watched a Carlton Carl Essendon game. And he said, when, when did this game become so so timid? You know, when did when, – when did, when did I, I mean, there was – I don't want to come off sounding like an aggrieved Carlton barrier, but it was a terrible, terrible umpiring episode on on the on the on the Sunday night, um, and um, um, uh, there is this sense that now you you know you are just a touch on a player is is a free kick if the game's not umpired well. I don't know if you saw the game. There were I think uh, nearly sixty free kicks paid. Essendon, I think, had plus eighteen in the free kick count. Oh, these
1: things happen, but there was some there was some astonishingly bad decisions made. Um, um, but I didn't see any of that game. We didn't get it here in Hong Kong. Um, uh, the was it the Thursday night game? Uh, the Swans and Saints, um, mm-hmm. and a, a Swans player. Um, Dan Butler, I think, was um, yeah. uh, given an MRO for a tackle on um, the Lizard, um, uh, Nick Blakey. And um, uh, one of the former players um, noted this on social media. I just don't know what else Dan Butler could have uh, could have done unless he pulled a pillow out of his shorts and, um, uh, and offered it to Nick Blakey to put his head on as he landed. Um, There's nothing more he could have done.
0: I, I, look, I, did, I I saw the incident because, look, to be fair, Blakey was injured and had to come pretty much straight off the ground and substitute it out. Um, um, but it's been a very difficult time to watch sport at the moment because we're constantly flicking between the AFL and the cricket. Um, um, but I did see that. And there is this sort of sense now, I know that there are issues around concussion, but we're not sort of talking about head contacts or anything like that. There, There just seems to be... Um, sometimes I would think umpires are, are, are looking at situations where they're, they're seeing things that just aren't there. Um, they're starting to see, you know, little taps in the back. I think there are probably three or four free kicks paid against Carlton who, who just had to push push of the hands into the back, which technically is a free kick, and then a hand straight up. Yeah. And these were paid as pushes. And it was kind of like,
1: yeah, but you weren't paying that last week. Mm. That's true. The other thing, of course, is that they're allowing people to stand up in the tackles um, and, and not blowing the whistle very quickly. Yeah. And what that means is that to get the whistle, the players have got to keep going and sling the player, and that's what's causing the problem. Yeah,
0: I see too that they that they, sometimes you'll see them call a the ball up really quickly, which I think you need to do if the ball's not going to come out. Yeah. Uh, and other times they'll just let it go and go and go, and that means you know either the first or the second tackler is going to put the guy on the deck, and that's yep. and they'll get a they'll, or the ball carrier on the deck, and and that's when and, you're and unless get a, you're carrying a
1: tackle call. Unless you happen to have the pillow about your person, uh, like the former <laughs> player said, um, he's going to be going to be put on the deck with some force. You
0: know. Yeah. Well, look, we saw the sort of the good, bad, and the ugly about the AFL over the weekend, and um, a terrific game of footy between Collingwood and Melbourne. Enjoyed that immensely. Um, both sides will be there
1: when the whips are cracking in September, Jack. <laughs> by, by comparison, on Thursday night, um, I went down to my local to join a few friends. And um, uh, we tried to watch the beginning of The Saints and the Swans and it was so dire we said, no, the cricket, oh, we're, on, we're on the cricket. Mate, you know,
0: I, I, that, I, I watched the. Uh, the first 15 minutes that was before the cricket started and I flicked over the cricket and it was just a horror show of disposals wasn't it it was yeah, just yeah. you know it was just basically drill a pass to your opponent and who in turn would take the mark and then drill a pass to his opponent and the ball bounced back between a half forward and a half back most of the quarter I think they only kicked maybe two goals for the quarter yeah so uh, so it was the, for, for me it was the cricket for the rest of the weekend pretty much and, and by the way we talk about our bad kicking Jack um, a mate of mine from Carlton Carlton Barrick I think he's gone over the last seven games Carlton have kicked 44-78 Man, yeah but who's terrible <laughs> terrible football I mean look if they kick straight most of those games they're certainly thereabouts you know and and it's really quite astonishing to see it, just how bad they are in front of goal Uh, It will change, hopefully. Hopefully it will change. And, of course, the thing that took all our minds, uh, all all distracted my mind anyway, and our our, um, our long-term listener, uh, Lawrence uh, Belcom, one of our long-term contributors, Jack, was there in the stands at the Oval uh, for the first day's play. He sent me a photo. Um, And uh, just a terrific game of chess cricket. Um, Good, tense cricket played throughout. Travis Head uh, dominated with 163 I think 160 odd uh, in the first dig. Smith was in the bubble scored himself a ton Uh, and then Australia's bowling attack got cracking and there is no doubt in my mind that this is the world's best attack. Nathan Lyon with nearly 500 wickets. Uh, Mitchell Stark who's got 300. Uh, You've you've got uh, um, uh, the skipper Cummins who's Probably, well, he's rated the best bowler in the world. And then you've got a, a, a young fella from Morty Alec by the name of Scott Boland who just runs in and metronomically puts him on the spot. But unlike the McGrath days, Jack, he doesn't get that bounce. So he skids on and Blake's are <laughs> looking and say, well, okay, I don't have to play this on length. But they're going to go and, the, the, the ball's going to go and crash into the stump. So I don't know if you saw the dismissal of, of, of Gill, who's a wonderfully talented player and, and he will dominate, uh, Indian cricket for a long time. I think he's only 22 or 23. Uh, he, he got clean bowled by Scott Bowen leaving the ball. Uh, and, uh, he, he, he basically, did you see the dismissal? He basically left it on length and yeah. the ball's just crashed into the off stump. So Scott Bowling looks like he's going to be the, and in fact Alan Border mentioned this too. That you know he's going to be be like the the, uh, the Terry Alderman weapon from a, from uh, years ago when Australia last won, well not last won, but won won the Ashes after a very long time in England, uh, and Terry Alderman was knocking not taking the wickets for fun, thinking he got thirty odd for the series, um, he got forty got forty in one series. I think got, I think, I'm going to say 38, but but I may be wrong. But he, 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 he Graham Gertrude just knock him over for fun every time. So it looks like Scott Bolin's headed that way, and, and it would also seem that Josh Hazelwood will be available for the so, first. So who test. gets left out? Well, who's,
1: give me your call. Uh, well, I'd leave out. Well, it depends. If Hazelwood's actually fit, he's the bloke who you're picking. Doesn't play at the moment, but um, uh, if if they're all fit, I'd probably leave Stark out.
0: Yeah, I think there's been some talk around that. Uh, I think Stark bowled really, really well. I mean, it didn't start well in the first dig, but then he got the uh, then he got the key wicket of Coley in the first dig with a rising delivery that uh, Coley mm. couldn't keep down, caught in the slips by Smith. Um, so, was and, it a catch?
1: Tell hey, me, was it a catch?
0: Well, no, not the, the one they're the one they're blueing about is Cameron Green's catch. Had mm, that's fingers, what I mean. Yeah. Had the fingers under the ball. That was Rohit Sharma. Um, uh, no, it was Gil, actually, I think. Oh, was it? So, so yeah. Sharma was batting with him because she was having a whinge about it afterwards. Um, no doubt, in my mind, he got the fingers under the ball. If you're not going to pay those catches, then you've got to change the rules. I mean, if third umpires are always going to struggle with that, you know, the undulations on the ground and all this sort of stuff, but he had his fingers under the ball, his index and third finger under the ball when he took the catch, and immediately you get the immediate response from the fieldsman. That's the thing that you've got to work off. Because he's just gone ballistic straight away. Look at the look at the great catch I've just taken. So that was definitely out. You know, um, and as,
1: well, I, I, I had a look at it, and, and Ricky Ponting uh, walked us through it. Uh, he actually caught it about six inches above the ground. Um, but the question is, what happens next? Because he, as, as after he caught it, his hands continued forward. It's a question yeah. of whether um, he dropped, he, he dunked the ball on the ground. Well, on the, the ball way can,
0: the ball can hit the ground, provide not the ground, but but the ball in hand can hit the ground, provided he've got fingers underneath it. So provided it's um, still in his control. Anyway, it's a great catch. Uh, Smith took a blinder as well. Um, uh, they didn't feel well in the in the first innings, so, so the first session or two in the first innings, Bowled a few no balls. Um, but it's a very, very good attack. Uh, in terms of Hazelwood, I don't think he's played enough cricket to come into the test side, uh, and uh, I would uh, be leaving him out. I think he's only played... Oh, I think he's only played three one dayers in the last in the, in the last six months or so. So, hasn't played enough cricket for mine. And given that the, given that they'll be playing five tests over about six weeks, six and a half weeks, <coughs> um, he'll get his he'll get
1: a guernsey anyway because they'll have to rotate the bowlers. Indeed. All right. No, but so has the but has the World Test Championship become a thing now? Do you think? Well, this is the, this is the second iteration of it. Yeah, second time India played in both and lost both.
0: New Zealand are the winners the first time around. Um, uh, I think it in order for it to become a go global, Jack India need to win one. Um, they haven't yeah. got
1: any. Um, haven't got huge, any silverware in the last four or five years, by the way. Huge interest in India, um, and even here in Hong Kong. Um, uh, pub, the pubs were filling up with Indian fans, all that sort of stuff. So it's really capturing the imagination, I think. Uh, look, it's a, it's a good concept. I mean, Robert Sharma talked about playing a best of three
0: test matches, which you probably never have to find the time to do. No. Um, um, so, um, and Cummins came out and, and, and replied to it rather beautifully by saying, well, you know, in Olympics you have a final. The AFL, the NRL, they have finals. It's just the way it is. Uh, and Australia were. Too good on the over the five days. Um, I, I think one every session by about three, I think. Yeah, look, look some sympathy for India because they've just come off the IPL. It's a different form of cricket, it's a huge adjustment. It's a huge adjustment, particularly for the batters uh, and, and their bowlers, too. You'd have to say their, their bowling was was pretty, pretty ordinary and they and made uh, some and they made left, selection
1: boost, too. They left Ravi Ashman in the sheds. Yeah, um, uh, crazy. and it was a it was a good toss to lose. Cummings said he would have bowled as well. Um, uh, and yeah, you, he did so, and he, he would have been wrong. Well, what do we understand? What is the what is the immutable
0: law of the universe, Jack? Number one, yeah. Think about bowling first, and don't don't even think about it. <laughs> don't even think about it. Win the toss and bat. Yeah, uh, and if you break that law, uh, the universe will turn on you. And I think Rohit Sharma found that out. Uh, Jack, um, a bit of bit of publishing news in this uh, never ending culture war stuff. I think P.G. Wodehouse uh, has been um, has been uh, is under the microscope over what we call outdated language.
1: Yeah, the publishers um, uh, want to give a put a blanket trigger warning on all of his works. <laughs> uh, they wants him to carry a cautionary tale to note that his speech. These novels may depict past attitudes that seem out of date. Um, you know, uh, it's just bizarre. Well, i can going to have to get rid of the British aristocracy first. If <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that's what
0: Wodehouse was writing about. That was his that was his environment. I mean, upper middle class, the the landed gentry in the UK, and it's almost like saying, "Well, that's not part of our history." Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, and P.J. Wodos, I actually quite like some of the some of the adaptations and plays and things like that. I quite like all that sort of stuffy British. Well, music.
1: I've 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 got a collection. I've got I've got the the complete um, uh, the, the the Worcester and Jeeves novels. I've got all of those. I mean, mm. I think they're a, they're an absolute delight. Um, if you're lying in a hospital bed um, and you're going to be facing a dodgy few days, the best way to take your mind off it is to pick up a Bertie and Jeeves book and have a bit of a read. Yeah, indeed. Yeah,
0: I just don't understand. I, I don't understand a lot of this. I sort of r- wrote about the Roll Dahl stuff, which was nutty as nutty in itself, um, and some of the language that they that they that they sought to change there was just sort of. I, I just don't understand it. But anyway, um, uh, P. PG, G. PG Wodehouse is is uh, is due for the dreaded. For the dreaded uh, revision, Jack, or or is it just a warning, a sort of caveat emblazoned on the cover of the book, saying some of this is a little bit nuts <laughs> because P.G. <laughs> Wodehouse wrote about a time uh, in England where basically we had no aristocracy, which we still have, uh, and uh, and and it was all about essentially uh, a, a, a privileged grunt group of people uh, running around bumping into one another. Mm. Yeah, very crazy
1: stuff. You got something to take us out, Jack? Yeah, just this lovely little piece from Twitter um, uh, uh, from a commentary, commentator in the US. I've not read the details, but the amount of men I see walking around who can't afford socks is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> Often they look like they are wearing their sister's trousers. This is a straight cut suit, Jack. It's, it's
0: fair to say that it is not made for you and me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, if any, if I uh, go flipping, and, and rare occasions that I go, uh, go looking for clothes, and I come across the the straight cut pants, I'm just moving, I'm just moving them out of the way. Yeah. They're not for me at all. And the idea that you can wear them with no socks and just pop the shoes on, it's it's got to be
1: uncomfortable.
0: You would think so. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, do,
1: I, I, I I still like my socks, you
0: know. Oh, yeah. Look, I tell you what, if, if you're in the Southern Highlands, you know, you don't have socks, you, you're going to get chill and possibly frostbite. Um, so yeah, socks are very, very important. I do remember seeing, I think it was at the at Derby day last year when they had the men's fashion parade and everyone was in the, uh, in the no shot, no, no socks, no, <laughs> and the, and the thin cut suits and they look like pimps. They actually look like, <laughs> like racetrack pimps. So yeah. we're not doing it, Jack. Let's just no. say it right now. You and I are not going to go for the for the slim cut pants and no socks. And if I ever no. see you do it, I'm going to have to uh, pull out uh, that pillow, that missing pillow and stuff it, stick it over your head until so you stop squirming. Yeah. All right, thank you very much, Jack, for your time today. Um, it's been a wonderful uh, exploration of all global matters political. Um, thank you very much for your time, Jack. Pleasure, mate. And uh, and uh, just to our listeners again, we know we're getting through because we're getting quite a lot of feedback uh, from uh, from our listeners, and we enjoy that very much. Um, Uh, DMs are always open on Twitter if you want to make a comment and criticism, uh, some matter that you want explored by us too. Uh, Drop me a line uh, on at Jack the Insider on Twitter and my DMs are always open. You can get hold of us both on the conditional release program at gmail.com or, indeed, you can get hold of Hong Kong Jack, but you'll have to give me the address, Jack. Jack Hongkongjack.substack.com. There you go. And you, and uh, we will respond and you will make the show. And uh, thank you very much again, listeners, for, for listening to us, putting up with their nonsense, even. And look, you can, you can wear socks or not. We don't really care about that. It's just personally, it's a personal view that we will be wearing socks from now on. Thanks, listeners. I'll talk to you next time, next week.